Hi there, and welcome to the Future of Influence podcast. Here we discuss the power of influence, leadership, overcoming challenges, and more. They call me King Raj Singh, creator of the Future of Influence podcast. Stay on after the show, and we'll share how you can be the next guest on one of the fastest-growing podcasts in our industry. With that, here we go. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Future of Influence podcast. I'm your host, Raj Singh, and I have a special guest with us today who is a transformation expert for companies seeking eight figures in growth. Please tell us a little bit more about yourself, Ed. Hey, Raj. Thanks for having me. So, uh, yes, I work with organizations that are uh, maybe they're hitting a revenue ceiling and they're not quite sure how to break through. Uh, or companies that are on that freight train that's going downhill and they're, they're kind of scared of their growth and they want to get some reins on it. And uh, I'm very fortunate to have been doing this work for, for 20 years now and have some wonderful clients uh, that I've been able to associate with and, and help out. And uh, I, I couldn't be happier in, in my career choice to, uh, to branch out and go out on my own. And so, so here we are 20 years later. Excellent. And what type of uh, companies do you work with? Like what size, uh, whether it's employees or revenue, just typically yeah, for your clients? Generally, uh, 50 million and up, the, the 100 to 120 million is a, is a pretty good sweet spot for me. Um, I've worked with Fortune 500 companies. Obviously, they're much larger than that, but typically that's with a, a division maybe of, of that organization, something along those lines. Um, and generally, they, they run uh, along the East Coast. Um, I've got some clients out on the West Coast as well. Uh, but pr- primarily east of the Mississippi. All right. We're all East Coasters. I'm from New Jersey. Yes, You're are. from uh, Pennsylvania. There you go. Yes. <laughs> so what's the biggest problem that you solve for your clients when they come looking for you at that level? You know, generally everything in business comes back to people, Raj. And um, so it, it's, it's pinpointing what the people problem is that, that they're struggling with. And generally what, what I find when you know, a company that that's butting up against, say, a revenue ceiling, they, they just can't break through. Generally, what I'm finding is that the, the group of people that they had that helped them, say, to get to the 50 million mark or get to the 70 million mark, aren't the people that are going to take them to the next level. And so mm-hmm. it's helping ownership, it's helping the executives to recognize that in order to make those big revenue leaps, We've got to have people that have the capacity to help get us there. And so that means one of two things. Either we bring in the outside talent, we, we identify that, bring it in, or we also I need to identify the in-house talent that can be groomed to assume greater levels of responsibility. And so um, every situation is unique. Um, I, I don't win with cookie cutter. I win with you know eyes wide open, ears wide open, and, and really attempt to figure out what is the magic sauce that we've got to concoct in this particular situation to help them meet their goals? Very nice. And I like that you said, it's kind of like when I work with individuals, it's, it's a similar thing where the mentors that uh, could get you from point A to point B are not the same ones that get you from point B to C. You always have to change. And that's what you're saying as well. Yeah. Um, seems like you're customizing what you do for your clients, which are the best type of you know coaching and growth um, to take things as well, because uh, it's just, just the, the cookie, cookie cutter uh, you know approach doesn't work anymore, especially in today's market with uh, you know technology and everything else. What are some other ways that make you better than, let's say, your competition in what you do? Well, you know, I think it's it's taking the time to really understand 
what the client needs. You know, sometimes you get that call from a prospect and they say, hey, Ed, we've heard you're the best at X and we want X. Okay, but let's talk about that. Why do you think that X is going to work for you? Let, let's figure it out. And what I oftentimes find is that uh, businesses, they almost try to self-diagnose, right? It's like you would never go to the doctor and say, hey, doc, you know, I got this broken arm. I need you to splint it. I need some pain meds. I mean, you're never going to do that, right? But yet I find organizations do that. And so I think what separates me from others is that I'm not one that's quick to say, oh, yeah, I'll do that for you. I'd like to take a step back and, and start asking the deeper questions to figure out if they're just giving me symptoms and they think they know what the problem is, or is that really the problem? And maybe there's a different way to solve it. And so I take mm. the time to listen. And I think that that's kind of the long-winded way of saying I really take the time to listen. And I know a lot of other consultants out there, and, and, and I've got some, some great friends in the consulting world, many of whom um, I refer a lot of work to and from. And so I'm not in any way bashing other consultants. But a lot of folks will say that they listen, but I don't know that they really listen between the lines. And I found that's been super valuable for me. Um, you know, knowing the, you know, where might the landmines be in an organization and identifying why they're there to begin with, not just avoiding them, but why are they there and can we get rid of them? You know, I, I try to bring a little more value to the table um, so that when I walk out the door on the last day of the project, not only did we hit our goals, but they're saying, gosh, you know, Ed really, you know, he delivered on X, Y, and Z, but then he brought this, this next level of value to us that we can't quite put a, a dollar figure to, but we got more than we bargained for with him in a good way. Excellent. Yeah, I like what you said. Um, it's like you can't give a prescription without a true diagnosis. That would be malpractice. So you want to yeah. definitely hear them, like <laughs> you said, more. <laughs> what else really bugs you in the industry as a whole? Um, failure to act. Mm. Um, I, I talked uh, in, in a previous... Um, I put out a you know a couple of videos every now and then on just my my thoughts right, and I talked a few months back. You know everyone thinks that that return on investment is the thing they've got to measure every business decision against. But I argue not that that's not important, but I argue there's something else you got to look at, and that's your COI, and I call that your cost of inaction. So if you fail to do something, you've got a solution in front of you, and you fail to do something you have to understand that that failure to act has a cost as well. And I feel that oftentimes business executives will get, get stuck in a budget number or a, you know, a price point that they want to spend to fix a problem. And they forget that, well, if they say, well, that's too much, or I don't think I'm getting value. Well, they still got the problem. So how are you going to get that problem fixed? And, and, Sadly, um, you know, if you've been around business long enough, you see folks that'll just say, yeah, I'm, I'm just not going to spend the money to fix the problem. But yet they keep writing the check every month or every year because they've, they've got an existing problem, right? So I think that's yes. the biggest frustration um, is, is we've got to look at the return we're going to get, but also the cost if we don't do it. Excellent. Like ROI, you've heard it here. COI. I love it. Cost <laughs> Newsflash right on the Raj show. <laughs> Excellent. Thank you so much, Ed. So, you know, I want to know more about you, Ed. What sure. does your day-to-day -day, uh, look like being a leader in, in, in your space? I mean, what do you spend your time doing? Well, I, you know, that's the beauty of, um, you know, running your own businesses is every day I get up and I truly do get to do something that I enjoy. And one of the things that I enjoy the most is knowing 
my own rhythm. And so on any given day, you know, obviously you've got deadlines and things, but if I know I'm in a writing mood or I'm in a creator mood, then I set aside time. The phone goes on silent because those times are golden for me. And uh, so I want to spend time thinking about my blog posts or recording some videos for my website, those kind of things, because I want to harness that brain activity uh, when I can, right? Um, and so a portion of my day, every day, is always spent on working on my business. Um, I long ago attempted to get off of that revenue roller coaster, right? Where you market so much, revenue goes way up, and then you're so busy working, you're not marketing, and then you go back down the hill again. And that's no way to live. And so I, I realized through, again, some great mentors, as you mentioned earlier, that you know, you've got to divide your time up. And generally, I like to say, okay, is 30% of my time, daily, weekly, monthly, being spent on working on my business, growing my business, getting the processes in place that I need? You know, is 30% of my time working actually actively in the business, working with clients, working with customers, that sort of thing? And is 30% of my time growing myself? Um, I can only be valuable to my customers if I continue to, to build my, my own internal value. And so I take continuing ed in all its forms very seriously, whether that's in working with mentors, um, taking some online classes, um, uh, listening to podcasts, whatever it happens to be to open my mind up to other ways of doing things. And so that's how I, I try to measure myself. Now, those 30% intervals, obviously, they change day to day. but on a weekly to monthly basis, that's where I'm spending my time that, I, that I'm doing right by my customers. Excellent. Now, I know before we uh, started recording here and before we went live on the air, I mentioned to you that uh, I was impressed with your social media, your presence on there. Everything's very professional, uh, look and feel to it. And I received the emails from your team as well. And you mentioned that it's all because of your team. You have a great team. And I believe in teams um, and, and outsourcing and delegating as much as you can, especially if people are even better at doing things than you, right? So yeah. let's talk more about that. Tell me sure. more about your team, sure. um, You know how, how they work with you, how do you find the team? What do they do for you? How is it working with the team? Just any type of uh, yeah. strategies. For um, you know, I, um, I've worked with, with obviously, you can't be in business 20 years and not have a stable of folks that, that you've interacted with. And the, the funny thing was, is about over the last maybe five to six, seven years, I've been, been recognizing the fact that, you know, at my team, you know, we're not under one roof, so I don't care where they are. So I've worked with folks up in New England who were handling some things for me. Uh, gentlemen over in Europe handled the design and the layout of my book. Um, my marketing team, actually, I found uh, my, the gal who handles everything web for me uh, and my social media posts. I found her on Upwork. But ironically, she lives in the, in the town right like up the road from me. <laughs> so I went onto an international platform to find someone 10 minutes from me. Um, but the, the lady who helps me with content, uh, and graphic design, uh, she's Canadian. She lives up in Ottawa. Um, I have, uh, done some mentoring with a gentleman also from Ottawa. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I, I kind of get around and, and I, I preach to my, my clients all the time that, you know, when you find good talent, you've got to use it and, and let's forget about where that talent is. Let's figure out how we can use it. And so, I try to, to live by my, my own words and I don't worry about, oh, well, Ottawa's far away. Well, so what? Um, 
You know, we, we work collaboratively online. I, I appreciate your feedback because it just, you know, it, it solidifies the fact that, that I've got some great people that are helping me look good. <laughs> and, um, and I thank them every day for it. So, you know, I think my advice to folks who might be listening is, you know, don't feel like you've, I know there's a buy local sort of mentality and it's wonderful. Um, at the same time, you know, when you're talking about talent, you know, I just believe in finding the best talent you can find and let, let's forget where the talent is coming from. Mm, very nice. The, the world that we live in today, it just makes it so much smaller with technology and, Absolutely. and uh, you know, these even, even, you know, zoom meetings and everything else virtually. I mean, it is wonderful, especially with virtual assistants all around the world. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's a great point that you mentioned there. Thanks so much. Yeah. yeah. Um, so tell us more about what do you do when you're not working? What are some of your hobbies? Oh gosh. Well, um, I'm the, the father of, of three girls Two are, are out of the house and gone and, you know, starting their lives. Um, but I still have a 13 year old at home and I, I coach her, her softball team and she plays travel ball. So that takes up a lot of weekends with traveling oh, wow. things, which is awesome. Um, love to golf. Uh, tonight actually is my golf night. So, uh, in a little bit, provided the rain uh, from the hurricane that's coming holds off, I will. Uh, I'll be heading out to, to grab a couple holes of golf, which is which is always fun, and catch up and you know get some guy time. Uh, and I've got a wonderful wife, so um, you know we we have the the travel bug, and obviously that's been nipped here for the last uh, eighteen months or so. But you know we do like to to take some time to go places together, um, and you know get away and reconnect with each other. So. Uh, you know, those are my passions and, um, you know, it's kind of how I identify myself as a, as a father and a husband and a, a God fearing man. So, uh, my, I, you know, I certainly, uh, I've got no shortage of things to keep me busy. Um, should the retirement bug hit me, uh, in the near future. <laughs> I hear that very nice. Uh, I have that travel bug as well. That travel itch. I love traveling. And, yeah. uh, Last year, even with the pandemic, uh, I went to uh, 19 different countries. So it kind of oh, messed awesome. me up. If it wasn't for the pandemic, it would have been even more. Um, <laughs> awesome. But yeah, I totally, totally know what you mean there. Um, speaking of the pandemic, um, what did you have to adjust because of the pandemic? And um, with those changes, which ones do you think, if any, that are now going to be permanent for you? Mm. Um, I, I think there's, there's two areas. So when I think about clients, um, obviously we, we were forced to go this more virtual, uh, you know, zoom sort of environment for meetings. And one of the things that, that I quickly found, uh, was that I was a heck of a lot more productive. And so, you know, when you think about having clients, uh, you know, east of the Mississippi, you're getting on planes, or maybe if you're in the mid Atlantic area, I'm driving, well, that's a whole lot of downtime. And so, you know, when you have 18 months of, of not being able to have live, you know, truly in-person live, uh, meetings with clients, Mm-hmm. I found I was able to scale my business really fast because now I've got, and when you start looking at that 30% breakdown that I gave you earlier, I'm not, I don't have all the travel in there. So, wow, all of a sudden I got more time. And um, so that's something that I, I'm now implementing into my business that when I come on site with a client, it, it's something big related to the project, right? Like we don't need to all get together in a boardroom and have a one hour meeting that takes me two hours to drive to. It, just, it doesn't make sense. And I think that before the pandemic, most businesses would expect that sort of thing. Now, even they're starting to realize, yeah, why would we, why would we need that? Why would we ask him to do that? So that's something that, that I believe is going to stay. 
Um, do I believe that, that this world of virtual is fully going to replace live meetings and conferences? No, absolutely not. Um, and, and that's the second point that I think that I've seen. So, you know, last year I did not do a lot of public speaking for obvious reasons. You know, conferences were getting canceled. And so um, a, several of them went virtual, those that could. Mm-hmm. And there was a lot of uh, angst uh, in the National Speakers Association about whether or not live meetings were dead. And I kept thinking to myself, there's no way. There's too much value in the live conference and the networking and everything that happens there. And so, you know, sure enough, now we're seeing it come back. I've got a, a full slate here in the next two months. I'm on planes like every couple of days, it seems, which is, I, I love doing that. And I love being on stage to connect with an audience. Um, but what I see happening is more the hybrid type event where there'll be a camera crew there piping you out through Zoom for attendees that maybe aren't comfortable attending. Um, mm-hmm. I see that staying simply because these conferences can sell a lot more seats to folks that, oh, maybe they can't justify the budget to travel, but they can justify a remote budget. Um, so I think we're going to see more of that in the meeting industry. And for speakers, uh, that means more attendees, which means more people's lives that we can touch and more potential clients we can interact with. Yep, I agree. I agree. Although I do miss some of that, um, you know, face-to-face in person as well. You know, it's nothing like that, but it's a good, it's a good secondary means. And then if, if people weren't able to travel, like you said, or just to make it more cost-efficient or time-efficient, then you still have it virtual as an option as well. Exactly. Okay. What's a client success story that you're particularly proud of that you can share with us? Wow. Um, so not long before the pandemic, I had, it was actually one of my last live speaking gigs. Uh, I was talking at this conference about the concept of employment brand and how, you know, just like everyone works on their marketing brand, they need to work on their employment brand. And there was a CEO of a, a very large orthopedic practice came up to me afterwards and he said, Ed, you know, what you said resonated. We, we've got to talk. And I said, what's going on? He says, I, my HR function, I believe, is actively inhibiting my ability to grow this practice. And I'm like, Whoa, <laughs> okay, let's, let's talk about this. So um, they happen to be here in the mid-Atlantic. So the C- CEO and I met, um, $90 million orthopedic practice, 700 employment, just huge, huge practice. And they, um, their employment brand was in the toilet. I mean, if, if you broke a bone, you had a spine issue, you went to these docs. They're, they're the best of the best. Mm-hmm. But you didn't go there to work. They, there was a bad reputation that they didn't treat their people well and everything. And, and HR was doing some things that were pretty painful. And so we embarked on a journey together for about a year of, of me working with the HR function to, to realign it to better serve the business needs, to work with the docs and the executive team on how to, to properly engage and um, motivate their team because one of the things they wanted to do was open up another campus. And they recognized if they continued down this path, they weren't going to get this next campus open. And so um, the beauty of it is at the end of that, that series of, of events, they were able to get their, the new, um, yeah, I just lost my train of thought. They were able to get the new campus open. They were able to get it fully staffed. Um, their retention rate has gone way up. Employees are starting to refer their friends to work there again, all because we tweaked the service delivery of how they take care of their people. And so their employment uh, brand is on the rebound now, and it's getting right up there with their marketing brand. And and I love the fact that I could be a part of that. Um, 
I recall when the, the new campus opened, the CEO dropped me a line. It's like, hey, Ed, it's open. And I got to tell you, we opened it under budget. I mean, that's huge to go from you know, 18, 20 months earlier, they're not sure they could get it open because of staffing shortages and challenges to get it open and be under budget and fully staffed right from the start. I mean, wow. <laughs> and, and so I, that, that's the kind of thing that, that makes me get up and, and want to keep working with clients is because I see the magic that can happen uh, when we get all the parts moving in the right places. Wow. That's an incredible success story. I'm sure it's very yeah. fulfilling as well. It is. It was a lot of fun along the way. All right, Ed. So let's say our, our, our listeners, our viewers are saying right now, you know what? This sounds um, like it could be something that, that could work for me and, and my company, my team, and they want more information from you. They want to see take that next step to work with you. Uh, what does that look like? How can they get in touch with you? Sure. I uh, appreciate you asking. Um, they can hit my website, which is edcrow.com. That's E-D-K-R-O-W.com. And right there, as soon as you, you hop on my uh, homepage, there's a button. They can hit that for a free you know, no obligation, consultation, we'll chat 15, 30 minutes, see if I'm the right guy to, to help you with, with your needs. Um, that's the best place to start. Uh, of course, they can find me on social media too, LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, you know, all the standards, I'm there. And um, the other thing that, uh, you know, if they're hearing some, some things and they know they got some people problems, they're not quite sure where they need to go, um, and maybe they're not ready to actually have a phone call. Uh, I've got a great book on strategic HR um, and it outlines some of my processes and how I can help you. And there are a lot more case studies in that book and they can find that on my website as well. Excellent. So there you have it, a free gift with a a consultation by Ed himself. Go to edcrow.com. That's E-D-K-R-O-W.com. Thanks so much for being on our podcast, The Future of Influence, Ed. Uh, Really great speaking with you and uh, hope to send some people your way for some more info. Oh, that'd be great, Raj. Thank you so much for a great conversation. Thanks for listening to the Future of Influence podcast. If you're interested in sharing your story by being a guest on our show, please visit https colon slash slash kingrajsingh.com slash podcast slash apply to apply. And if you liked what you heard, please also visit and follow us on all social media. Please subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast. Once again, they call me King Raj Singh, and thanks again for listening to the Future of Influence podcast. Tune in next time.